You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to Stop. Hammer Time. Uh, my name is uh, Phil Whelan, and on this week's Stop Hammer Time, we will be talking about our very small return to form. Uh, a um, uh, nip and tuck 1-0 win, but a uh, much more convincing performance this week. Here to talk about that performance are, as always, Jim Grant. Hello, Jim. Good evening. Hello. Uh, and two very good friends of the podcast joining us this week. It's uh, author of the best blog on West Ham, The H List. It's James Cairns. Hey, Phil. And uh, it's uh, um, uh, a member of uh, Pride of Irons, one of the uh, leading lights, one of the originators of Pride of Irons, the LGBTQ West Ham supporters group. It's Jim Dolan. Hello, Jim. Hello. Welcome to the Jim Show, everybody. Yes, that's right. It is a uh, it is a, a, a conflation of Jims uh, um, in this show. Though James will go by James will go by James. Uh, Jim will go by Jim G, and other Jim will go by Jim D. I'm I'm calling you other Jim Jim, which I feel is a bit unfair. You're you're equal in your uh, prime position as uh, spearheaded Jims of this podcast. But uh, um, so it's going to be Jim D and Jim G. Uh, using the system that um, uh, Mark Webster uh, initiated a couple of weeks ago when there was a pair of gyms on that then as well. Um, so we played Wolves at the weekend. Uh, I couldn't go, unfortunately. Um, how was it? It was, it was quite good. I, 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 um, they, they, they were a bit disparaging about the match on, on the Match of the Day highlights, but I, I thought, that, you know, relatively speaking, uh, it was quite an entertaining game, to be honest. Um, I, yes, they did call it. Yeah, I saw the match of day yeah. two, and they did call it a dull game. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was. I thought I thought it was tactically very interesting, um, hmm. and uh, um, you know whether or not it was purely a, 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 as a way of kind of dealing with with uh, wolves and matching up with them, or whether it was more um, an indication of where we're going to how we're going to set up going forward. Uh, we sort of played with a kind of three at the back with Cresswell um, doing his left side of a, of a back three thing and Fornals as left wing back. Um, oh, right. That's well, that's how it looked to me anyway. <laughs> mm. um, uh, and uh, and it was effective. It was really effective. The first half especially, I thought we played well. And, and Lanzini absolutely ran the show, I thought. Did he? He had a good game, did he? Yeah. First half, he faded and I felt probably needed to be subbed and, and wasn't um but uh, uh certainly in the in, in you know in in the first half led led the pressing that was, was you know uh we pressed them really well um we we used the ball better than than we have done i think in in some recent games um you know it felt a, a, a bit more a bit more like it really um uh james what did you make of it yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I think it was tactically <clears throat> quite interesting. And Moyes has employed three at the back previously to quite a lot of success, I thought, mm. um, particularly when he first arrived. There was a lot of 3-4-3 three, three 
Um, and he and he kind of put you know people think Cresswell's a wing back, but actually in that system he's a really effective centre back because his distribution's so good. Um, but what was very noticeable was what Jim touched on there at the end. In the first half, the security of having three centre halves means that you can push right up the pitch. So we were ten to fifteen yards higher up the pitch than we normally are um, under Moyes. We were winning the ball back far higher. Wolves really couldn't get out in the first half. They, it was noticeable actually how often they got caught trying to play from the back and losing the ball in the kind of final third. We did that really effectively. Completely agree about Lanzini. He is our most important player, I think, at the moment because his ability, not just to press, but also he's quite press resistant. So when we're trying to play out, he's very difficult to get the ball off in the centre of the park. So, mm. um, you know, his kind of tactical awareness, his technical ability in the end, actually, is what allows Suchek to get further up the pitch. And then yeah. you see that with, with the goal. So it was a really, it was an interesting game. It was quite a good game to watch. And I thought we played really, really, really well. I think a, a vast improvement on what we've seen in the last few weeks. Yeah, interesting. Um, interestingly, Suchek was uh, sort of interviewed. Yeah, you know, someone put a microphone in front of him sort of in the lead up to the game. Uh, and of course, he scored at the weekend. And uh, he said that they were working on things in training to try and shape things up a bit. So clearly, something like that's happened. Um, what did you think, Jim D? It, it, it was a great game for me because yeah. there was something that was very different in the air. It just felt like that that uncomfortable thing that I'm have, having to get used to being comfortable with um, in the last couple of seasons, which is that feeling of it's going to be fine, um, which yeah, we haven't yeah. had the last couple of games. Like there was always, you know, it just, you felt like the team were off, but you know, from, from the first whistle, you could see that there was determination in the team. There was just a different feeling in the stadium. I don't know how much of it perhaps spilled onto the pitch after the whole, you know, uh, Yarmolenko kind of, thing before, yeah. before kick off holding the shirt having the picture of him up maybe there was a bit of a, a feel-good thing maybe there's a bit of a thing around the team kind of you know doing it for him I don't know obviously tactically there was a lot of things that, that were different but it just felt different in the stadium and I think there was this frustration in the crowd as well you know even when things didn't pan out I mean it was only one nil but you know when, when opportunities didn't pan out it, it I didn't feel the same sense of, of frustration spilling out the fans. So overall, a lot more yeah. enjoyable. There was some frustrating things, you know, obviously Antonio had his moment. Um, there, there's a, a quite a few times where uh, Fabianski's distribution could have been a lot, lot better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had people away, especially Bowen on the right, constantly in space, calling out for, you know, a, a long ball out to him. And then Fabianski kind of just dither and then, you know, roll it out to someone. But that, that aside, um, yeah, I think it was a great game. That's really good, isn't it? I, I mean, um, uh, clearly, sort of, uh, there was a, a sort of a malaise, and, and it was quite easy with a, a, a relatively small squad to blame uh, just fatigue uh, on the whole whole thing. But uh, um, given that we didn't strengthen in the transfer window, you, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that. And uh, if you can kind of sort of energise the players with a kind of slight adjustment of tactics or just give them something else to think about, uh, that is obviously the way forward. And, um, uh, you know, we've, we've, done, we've done very well in a way with, our, with what might be perceived as a wobble. Our February, in fact, consisted of two wins and two draws, which is, you know, if you're going to have a wobble, that's not a, that's not a disastrous wobble. To just draw a couple of games instead of, of winning them, you know, isn't a huge problem. And it feels as if, if we feel that the Wolves' uh, result is slowly pushing us towards the right direction. Um, to finish strongly this season, uh, that's all very encouraging. Um, good to see Moyes, um, you know, working on the training ground to sort of alter stuff that's within his power, which, you know, in, in, a, in a sense, fatigue is and jadedness is not within a coach's power necessarily to be able to alter. Now, that being said, though, he... <laughs> It's a bit frustrating again that he leaves it until what eighty-five minutes or whatever to to make a meaningful substitution or not even a meaningful, just a substitution. Um, yeah, fatigue's not going to uh, get any easier to cope with. And if you're playing, no. you know, the same the same players for 80, 85 minutes, you know, it's not going to. Yeah, help. I just, I, I mean, that that's that's him though, isn't it? I think he does, he does, he is reluctant to make substitutions. He's he feels that the players out there, you know, if, especially if they. 
you know, perhaps are, are not playing as well as they can should be allowed to sort of dig themselves out of the hole they're in. And also, I think sometimes there have been times when, when there feels like there are rumblings in the ground uh, concerning lack of substitutions, looking at the bench and saying there's nothing really that will strengthen us on the bench or nothing or that, you know, nothing that won't actively weaken us. In a couple of those games in the last few weeks, there, there have been substitutions that there are a couple that were sort of like bookend substitutions. One where where I think Vlasic and Vlasic and Lanzini might have come on for Fornells and Ben Rama, and then another game where uh, the opposite happened, and both of those were sort of meaningful substitutions that did make a difference. Um, so uh, um, at least there's a bit of sort of flexibility in our very, very tiny squad. Yeah. I mean, the one bits of flexibility, the bits of flexibility we've got are in that attacking midfield area though, aren't yeah. they? And, yeah. And it was clear that, that having had such a good um, first half, you know, Wolves had to, had to press on a bit and Lanzini definitely drifted out of the game a little bit or sort of faded mm. in that second half. And, we had opportunities to to hit them on the break because they were you know they were they were pressing for a for a goal and um, uh, I just felt you know maybe Ben Rama at that point if you're trying to spring a break the way he carries the ball yeah might, might have made sense you know I, I I agree with Jim about the, the subs I felt I felt it was a game where um, you know we did come under pressure and, and it did feel a little bit as though. It might be one of those games where you go, oh, having really dominated that first half and probably should have been more than one goal up um, and, and, and looked dangerous going forward in, in, in the second. It, you know, just had that feeling that they might nick, nick an undeserved equal. Yeah. You know. um, so, yeah, I think it was a little bit frustrating in, the, in that respect, but, but definitely a brighter, brighter performance. I absolutely agree about James, about Suchek being able to... That, that, that arrangement with the three at the back does seem to improve movement and ball retention and allow um, allow Suchek in particular to, to to get that little bit further forward where he's really da- he's really dangerous in the penalty area and he's not been getting in there enough in in in, in recent months um, I don't think. You know what was really lovely yeah, about yeah. that as well when he scored is that you know you see Rice go up to him and, and the, the joy in Rice's face for Suchek scoring and I, I think maybe there's been a little bit of rumbling on social media about you know a Rice versus Suchek kind of you know we're sacrificing Suchek's game for Rice but actually yeah. you know it's good to see there's a bit of camaraderie there and they're genuinely happy for each other and yeah, yeah good to see they can both play. Um, shout out for Johnson I thought we had a good game um Look, look really solid. I, I, I think he could. I'd like to see him, especially if he gets to play at, at wing back more. You know, be a bit more adventurous in taking his man on and 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 and, and getting forward. Um, but uh, no, he had a, he had a decent game. And um, Zuma, the cat kicker, was was immense. Really at the back, absolutely. You know, just snuffed everything out. Was always there to block it. You know, just his big long leg kind of kind of you know. Just getting in the way, just suddenly, you know, he, he was. Um, it, it felt like he was everywhere at the back, you know. And uh, we, we, you know, the thing is, you know, we're score, we, we're scoring goals. We, we, we've been scoring goals consistently throughout that season. We haven't failed to score at home in a league game this season, which is almost unprecedented. Um, we, 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 we get about two goals a game on average, um, and uh, the, the issue is stopping them going in. So if we can come up with a system that means we're harder to score against, um, we are going to pick up more points, I think, because we're always in the game and we're always um, likely to nick a goal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Honourable mention for Diop when he came on for his brief cameo, just straight away putting a crunching tackle, which yeah. Uh, yeah. Big, big old cheer around the ground for that. Yeah, the, the John Moncur of the uh, of the of the current team, evidently. Yeah, <laughs> and and um and Fab was in the second half was was commanding. I mean, I, I agree. Well, I've always agreed about it. his distribution is not the best, but um, uh, I think he's been a little bit hesitant in 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 recent games. It was really good to see him just coming out and claiming the ball. You know, dominating his his six yard box. Definitely. That that was good to see, and I think that's all. That's all an indication of a more settled, solid confident def- defense you know it's it, it, it all kind of meshes doesn't it you know when, when yeah everyone's communicating well and you you've got Zuma as the kind of you know um I remember that that season you're right about Moyes sort of you know playing 
back three quite a lot in, in that first spell when he had actually Rice on the right side, Cress on the left side of Ogbonna. Ogbonna is that sort of pivotal player in the uh, back three. I mean, you know, Zuma looked all the more commanding for being the kind of the central pivot in... in uh, yeah. Well, and you can be more aggressive if you're in a three because yeah. one of you can go and hunt the ball and you've still got two players behind you. And that, yeah. again, come back to that the first half, we did that really, really well. The second half, actually, to be fair, Wolves improved yes, they quite did. a bit and, and, and got further up the pitch. Um, but nonetheless, they still didn't have a shot on target till the 87th minute or something. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think they could really have complained terribly about the result. Um, so, yeah, no. I think it, it's a with everything you just said. We've, we've lost Phil, have we? Is he, is he we have, yeah. Probably? Oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the the way we the, the way we contained them at the back, though, I think just it was so it was so impressive. It was so um, commanding and reassuring because they were you know they, they passed the ball well and they move well, but it just felt like we always had sort of twos and threes on them, just shepherding them away, just so they just couldn't make the killer pass and yeah. having to go back. And it just I just had that uncomfortable comfortableness of being like this is fine. We are in yeah. control of this. Yeah. But I tell you what it, what it was a return to actually was those games where the opposition had the ball substantially more than we do. So I can't, yeah. I'm exactly sure what the final split was, but I wouldn't be surprised but, if it was 60 40 or 65 35. It was exactly that. It was 39 61. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but, you know, the difference between possession and meaningful possession is obviously yes. quite material. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of meaningless possession wolves in the game because we, we let them have the ball in certain areas. And it did remind me, this is why I think it's an interesting sort of thing that Moyes has slightly gone back a bit to what he, what he yes. implemented, certainly at the beginning of last year, where we let teams have the ball and then we hammered them on the break because we've got such good, quick attacking players to strike with. And actually, one of the things that I think has been quite interesting is we do tend, I think, to play slightly better against te- better teams because they've got the ball more and I therefore agree. we're more dangerous. And, and actually, you know perhaps some of what's happened recently is where there's a sort of an expectation against a team like Newcastle that you get on the front foot and have more of the ball and dominate and the rest of it. Actually, that's not really what we're set up to do. And so this game yesterday was an example of that kind of counter-attacking way of playing that still gives you lots of dominance in terms of having the better chances and and opportunities to win the game. I I, I completely agree with all that. And it feels like we're a better counter-attacking team with that with that back three. It, it, it just you know, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know, sixty forty possession, but having more shots on target or more shots overall was a kind of consistent pattern to all those great results that last season. Those that you know where we were hammering teams um, yeah. time and again, we were we were beating teams comfortably with only thirty five percent, thirty eight percent, you know, possession. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, yeah, you're yeah, you're right. They 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 passed the ball a lot. I, I was um um I mean they had played on Thursday, but but actually rested five of those those players who started against um Arsenal. Um and I, I met I bumped into a, a, a group of um Wolves lads before the game. Really nice um away season to get holders for Wolves. And um I was surprised at how you know we, we, we were competing to be a bit kind of pessimistic about about the, the prospects of the game, and I, I expected them to be quite um, quite bullish, really. You know, to, to be because they're, they're on a, they're on they've been on a terrific run. But I think the point they were making is that is that they're not prolific in front of goal, um, and yeah. and you know even though they've got on paper more prolific goal scorers than we have in a way, um, and uh, so so they have they have to be solid defensively. Um, because they are tending to nick games one nil, you know, two one. Um, they're not they're not walloping anyone, and and they very much felt, I think, that they were having a wobble as as, as well, and that, that they've been picking up points that perhaps their performances hadn't quite hadn't quite fully merited. So that 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 was an interesting thing because I, I I was I was I was full of trepidation coming into the game. I thought, oh dear, you know, if we carry on playing the way we've been playing. Um, we might not get anything out of this. So I was really pleased that he freshened it up, rethought it tactically. I agree with you about Cresswell. Cresswell being more effective, I think, um, and working really well with with Fornau. I think Fornau's had a terrific game, first half game especially. Um, 
So yeah, all, all, all good. I mean, I, I, I wonder. You know, what do you think? Do you think it's something that he might now we might go on a, a little run in that arrangement, or or was it something just for the for the for the, for the occasion for Wolves? Well, you're right that it matched up with Wolves, didn't it? Because I think they mm. tend to play that system. I mean, whether you get away with that against, say, Liverpool, who would exploit the I mean, the problem with, with three at the back is you do leave massive gaps in behind your wing backs when they push up. And yeah. you know, do you do you really want four nails having responsibility for, for dealing with Trent Alexander Arnold? Not sure <laughs> about that. Um, you know, and, and actually to be honest, it might depend a little bit on what happens tomorrow because if we you know, if he plays quite a strong team and we go 120 minutes and we have to play the whole game, you know, yeah. there could be an element of fatigue. And we do have a small squad. I mean, you know, Jim touched on it. And, you know, the, the rotational options aren't really there. I mean, I'm not a Ben Rama fan. I feel like I say this every time I come on the the, the, the pod. But, you know, he, he I don't think he's fit to lace Lanzini's boots at all. No, you know, I agree with that. The job that, that Lanzini that. does. Yeah. So Ben Rama's very wasteful with the ball. So, you know, wouldn't be playing him at Anfield. So then you're sort of down to, like... Vlasic, who's been a bit unconvincing and who would he get instead of? So I think you play the same personnel. It's just whether you play them in the same formation might leave you a bit open at Liverpool. But again, we've actually done very well at Liverpool in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. They've been in those games. Yeah, yeah. And Fornals has a little habit of scoring against them, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. I think we were 2-1 up and maybe 1-0 up last year and lost and and 2-1 up quite late the year before. Yeah. So he's definitely got a plan for, for when he plays against them. But, um, you know, we're, we're into quite a murderous run of fixtures now, aren't we, in terms of... We are, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. so are they. You know, they, they've got... I know they've got the massive squad and everything, but, you know, they, they've got to manage it as well, haven't they? You know? Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, it's a free... It's like, the other thing is, it is a free hit, isn't it? You're not expecting to get anything out of it. Um Players will have that mentality as well, you know, and we and we, and we you know we can have a go, can't we? So um, I, I agree with you. I think I think in some ways it's the, it's the games against those better footballing in inverted commas teams where we do seem to do a little bit better. I feel I feel less worried about them. I, you know, I'm quite I, f- I would feel quite confident um, in in the games coming up against Arsenal and Spurs, for example. I think we 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 got a real good chance of getting something out of those games. It, it's it's games against teams like Burnley and in the current state of affairs, Everton, that you you're a bit more worried about, really, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, perhaps we'll look forward to uh, the Southampton game sort of uh, at the end of the podcast. Uh, in the meantime, we'll carry on after this message. Welcome back. Um, yes, so uh, we've got a we've got a pair of games coming up, which we'll talk about uh, in a set. But first of all, uh, Jim Dolan. Um, uh, we always want to find out how things are going with Pride of Irons, but uh, the, one of the most recent things we uh, uh, found was uh, that uh, a West Ham football game was being attended by Holly Johnson from Frankie Goes to Hollywood and political activist Peter Tatchell, and. Uh, how that came about, uh, that quite unlikely event, um, we'd like to find a bit more out about. Yeah, um, so it's February's LGBT, LGBT History Month. Um, yeah. And obviously we know, you know, the, the situation with Newcastle um, being taken over by, essentially the de facto owner of, of Newcastle is the Crown um, Prince right, of, of Saudi Arabia, yeah, which yeah. has appalling human rights so women <laughs> women's rights are you know yes, it they are they are second class citizens doesn't really doesn't do it justice and you know lgbt people can be you know if, if they're lucky they're imprisoned right yeah you've got yeah, yeah. punishment you've got the, the death penalty so for us and for a lot of the groups that that was just a line i think that the football authorities have crossed they're allowing that purchase to take place um and none of us are calling for you know for, for retrospective action. But what we are saying is that 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 ownership test. You know, they always refer to the fit and proper persons test. Yeah, 
clearly needs an overhaul because they said yes. they've been given legal assurances that this guy can't, you know, it won't be in charge. But, but in the same breath, the um, chairman of the, the Premier League said, well, actually, what goes on behind closed doors isn't something that we're privy to. So who makes the decisions is, you know, not something that we can affect. So clearly it's flawed. Yes. Um, and uh, and we want to we want to see change. This doesn't occur again. So we LGBT History Month. It's you know we're playing Newcastle at home. Um, also, interestingly, it would have been Justin Fashioner's birthday the day of that that match. So it was oh a yes, little, that's right. Yeah, so it was a little bit of kind of a stars align thing. We just felt like we had to do something. It wasn't an anti Newcastle protest, but as Newcastle no. were the the trigger of this, it seemed like the right time to do it. Um, so yeah, we just, we decided to, to, to have this protest, a silent protest, no, you know, no, not causing trouble, just kind of, you know, being present, trying to get some media attention and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it turns out uh, <laughs> Holly Johnson um, is, is, uh, is not a West Ham fan, unfortunately, no. um, but he, he's a very, uh, very opinionated when it comes to um, the human rights aspects of football. So, you know, the World Cup being uh, taking place in Qatar and things like that, he mm. thinks it's, mm. um, it's appalling. And uh, when he found out about a protest, he wanted to come along. Um, and then Peter Tatchell, obviously, yeah, you know, this is his thing, right? So yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. The, the pair of them came along, and the, we, we arrived about nine o'clock in the morning. Stood in the cold till about half eleven, um, and then Peter was there doing lunges and and press ups and squats to get himself ready. And we were thinking, oh god, what's he going to do? Is he going to yeah. jump in? Front, is he going <laughs> to yeah. jump in front of the coach? Um, yeah, yeah, it went off. It went off quite smoothly, but Peter didn't come to the match, but um, Holly did and had a yeah. great time because he was looked after by a friend of the podcast, Jackie Hughes. Jackie Hughes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I bumped into her and, Marie, her and Marie Parks just before the game and they were both incredibly excited about oh, who yeah. they were just about to meet. Uh, well, I mean, the excitement didn't stop there because apparently they became besties during the match and um, Holly added her on Facebook afterwards. So she's no, very good. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he lives in London. Does he live in London? Or does he, he does, live yeah. up in Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, obviously he would be. I think the Frankie Goes to Hollywood album is called Liverpool, uh, from the, the, the one with less hit singles on than um, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Uh, yeah, so I imagine if he has any football affiliation, it's probably with Liverpool. But uh, yeah, great. Uh, probably, uh, yeah. What a fantastic uh, coup, though. Two amazing figures. Um, yeah, he, you know, he, and honestly, he was he was lovely. I know yeah. people say be careful when you to meet your heroes because they'll let you down. But he was so so genuinely down to earth. Yeah, like you could yeah. chat to him about anything. People came up to him in the supporters club afterwards for photos, and he had photos of anyone who asked. He wasn't like you know asky about it at all. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a genuinely nice like, guy. He's always seemed like a good egg, hasn't he? Um, yeah, Holly Johnson seems like a nice guy. Yeah, um, yeah it's brilliant. Yeah, and obviously Tatchell is a legend. <laughs> he's an absolute legend. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and you were on Sky TV. Talking of uh, celebrities, you, you, you're a television celebrity having appeared on Sky TV yesterday. Um, what was that? What was that about? Yeah, so again, LGBT, LGBT History Month. Don't know why I yep. struggle with those letters. I say them often enough. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, they just kind of wanted to find out what you know what the different groups are doing, what we've been getting up to, and we've been doing some work with um, with West Ham and Kick It Out. So um, way just before the pandemic, when we played Brighton, there were four arrests, I think, for homophobic, um, right? You know, hate hate crimes. I guess you could yeah, call yeah. it. Um, and uh, those people were, uh, you know, went to the courts, they were convicted. And um, there was a news article um, on Pink News, which is a, an LGBT news outlet. And it said, um, you know, West Ham haven't banned these people yet. How disgusting is that? And I, I, kind of, I contacted the guys at the club and said, like, before you take any rash action, we don't, we as a group don't, don't endorse that approach. We don't think kicking people out of stadiums actually achieves anything. Good, yeah. You know? There's no, you can't change people's attitudes by excluding them. Um, and a couple of years ago, actually, there was a case of someone, a fan who'd put some, it was an, old, an older fan, older sense of humor, had shared some things on Facebook, uh, been reported to the club. Um, and I suggested then, like, why don't you get someone from, from Kick It Out in to do an education session? So that was the first time it happened. Yeah. Um, and then we just said, like, could, could we do something? 
with them because I feel like um, groups like ours are misunderstood sometimes. People seem to think we want to get people banned, whereas actually our aim yeah. is to have more people go to football. Yeah, um, yeah. So, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we so we said, look, could we could we take part in these sessions and like just just be there to offer you know a, a perspective? You know, I'm I'm not there to judge anyone to make them feel guilty to make them you know I'm not there to tell them off to literally just have a conversation and you know we talk about football we talk about our relationship with West Ham how we came to support the club you know and hopefully with those sessions the person comes out the other side you know realizing that we're you know we're just fans like they are what they said or did wasn't cool um and then we you know we move on and they come back to football again so that's that's the aim of that is you know rather than condemning everyone and, and yes and trying to kick people out we want to we want to you know get some understanding no that's a very good point it's a very good point it sort of applies <laughs> to cancel culture in a sense in that people think that cancel culture is uh you know or or wokeness is about wanting to sort of you know for something you know the like blazing saddles Oh, he's gone. We've lost fell again. <laughs> he's muted himself. Phil, Phil literally cancelled himself in the middle of that <laughs> cancel culture. <laughs> Hello, can you hear me? We, we can, can now, now, yeah. Oh, good. I must have... How, how did I do that? Anyway, yeah. Um, yes, that's right. I said a few sort of choice swear words then, and I think my phone um, is so Cancelled woke you. that it, it muted it's, It muted me. <laughs> On behalf of the people of Britain uh, who don't want to listen to a tirade of filth coming from my mouth, um, but yes, that it is. A, there's a misunderstanding of what sort of you know perceived uh, cancel culture or wokeness or political correctness wants to achieve, which is not the cancellation of everything. It's in fact for everything to still be able to be consumed, but perhaps with uh, a bit of context and. Uh, a little warning for people that, you know, don't like uh, to hear certain things, you know. Um, mm. Like, you know, it's, it's the same as films being rated, you know, when people weren't furious when those cards came up for like one fucking second with this film has been rated, you know, 13 or something. How dare they? It's like they're trying to say, do you know what I mean? It's like, you just look mm. at that card for a bit and then the film will start. Don't worry, you can still see your film. It's not political correct and it's gone mad and, you know, um, if yes, I can take, that, just mm. take a moment just to correct the record on something because we still get messages now from people saying your grass is you grass up our fans blah 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 because <sighs> um, apparently like there's a couple of years ago the Chelsea the, the rent boy chant kicked off and we got you know we got looped into a, a tweet from the Chelsea group and all we responded and said was you know guys be careful because you're going to get yourself into trouble with this one it's not cool to think of it you know just think of something smarter so that we don't end up getting a name for ourselves. That was literally it. Next thing you know, I won't use the person's name, but there is a prominent West Ham fan who doesn't like us, took to his Twitter and told his tens of thousands of followers that um, we were grassing up our fans, which absolutely wasn't true. I spent uh, like, the next the next like two, three days just being bombarded with abuse and people still believe it now. And it's just, yeah. it's just bizarre because we've never, ever said that that's what we want to do. We don't. We want more people at games. Yeah, that's very depressing. Very depressing. Um, well, that all sounds very, uh, very positive, especially because of uh, the particular month where we've just left. Um, uh, all those activities. Is, is there? Um, do you know if there's a, if, if there's likely to be a bus in Pride? No, there's not this year. The the pride in London's gone very environmentally friendly, so uh, right. no, no no buses. Although apparently a flat a flatbed truck that you decorate is fine, but a bus is really right. bad for the environment. But no, we, we will we will be walking. But um, we've asked the club if they want to you know spend money on you know sort of pride events, which they do. They like to you know obviously part of their their corporate responsibility piece. Um, we said to pick up sort of more local ones, for regional ones. They did Essex Pride last year, which was a, a yeah. park event in Shelmsford. So I don't know if they're going to go for Kent or another sort of catch, catchment area, but um, it's, it's probably, I think it's very positive. The, the small amount of money it costs the club to do these things. It, yeah, it means- yeah. Yeah, that is good. That's very good. Um, yes. Well, now we have uh, a game of football tomorrow. And as we said earlier, we've got one following 
fast on its heels on uh, at the weekend against Liverpool. So it's a difficult... Southampton, have, they won all their... I think they won three and drew one in February. They've really had a kind of renaissance, haven't they? They have, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're in a good, uh, good little vein of form, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wolves and uh, Southampton are really sort of going well at the moment. And I mean, we're sort of potentially looking over our shoulders. I think Southampton are a few more points behind uh, Wolves, but we are kind of, you know, they're sort of two of the teams that we are potentially looking over our shoulders at. Um, and, as you know, again, as we said earlier, it is a sort of, a, it's a selection headache because you want to field strong sides for both of those games. Um, what do we think might happen? Um, I, I think I think he will uh, freshen the team for tomorrow. I suspect Ben Rama, maybe even Vlasic will get will perhaps get a start. Um, I don't know whether he'll he'll stick. I hope in a way he does stick with the back three because I think obviously it, you know we clicked a bit with it. Um, I think it's an absolutely impossible one to call. I, th- I think I think they're a bit unpredictable and a bit inconsistent. But they've got they've got good players, um, and and that, and that, as we said, they're in a good run of form. I think it'll be a very very tight game. It wouldn't surprise me if it went to penalties. To be honest, um, I, I think it's yeah. a AG affair. Um, uh, yeah, that's my view. Yeah, what what do you think, James? Uh, I feel like there's been a recent history of West Ham being incredibly disappointing in FA Cup big FA Cup games. <laughs> Where I'm, I'm thinking in particular, didn't we go to West Brom a few years Four ago? 4 Yeah, Four nil. I had a nightmare that day. I got stuck on there was some kind of dreadful accident on the uh, on the M40. I got in the ground for uh, half time. We were two 0 down. I watched another two go in. It wasn't my yeah. best as an away I, fan. I didn't want to invoke a PTSD episode, so I apologise, Jim. But yeah, <laughs> no. that that one was was, <laughs> was not uh, was was one that springs to mind. I've, I feel at some point. You know, it's like the, the magic's got to wear off a little bit. You know, it, it feels just like so improbable that we're continuing to fight on so many fronts and do so well. Um, but I do, I do have a fairly unshakable belief in Moyes, and I, I just, I, I just think he's he knows what he's doing, and I think he's he's brilliant. So, I, but I think we'll, <laughs> with all that being said, I think we'll lose tomorrow, and um, just because I, I feel some things are tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they don't like playing us, do they? I think, uh, I think you know, generally speaking, our record against Southampton in the last, you know, quite a few years has been pretty good. Um, yes, they're the opposite of Brighton. We can't beat Brighton. Yeah. They, yeah. Southampton well, can't beat they, us. And they, Southampton they, and Brighton they, can't they, beat Southampton. They mugged us in the league game at, at, at the uh, bowl, didn't they? Yes, yeah. they did. They won that. I was yeah. going to say, I, I fucking hate Southampton. I honestly can't stand them. And it's petty, but it goes all the way back to when we were both promoted. And um, that season, that first season of the Premier League, um, I think it was Matty Taylor, they got sent off. One of of their players did some... some, some Yeah, yeah, it was that little... little... David Healy, was it? No, no. No, it was the little... Was Was it Long? Little little striker. I think it might be Sheffield. Oh, Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp, oh, that's who it was. It was him. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've, I've hated them since then. But this season, when we played them, the, the shithousery even surpassed that of, of Brentford. Like, I, yeah. I fucking yeah. hated them in that game. I, I just can't yeah. stand them. They always just, they rub, they rub me up the wrong way. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm I with you on that. I actually once wrote a poem about how much I hate Southampton. Yeah, they, they've, I, they hide behind this kind of family-friendly club bollocks, uh, but actually they're a muggy little, you know, stroppy little bunch of sods, actually. And uh, uh, ideas above their station, yeah, I hope we put them in their place. But um, yeah, we've had we've we've had their number for 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 a while now. But uh, they absolutely mugged us in that and and outrageous uh, um, failure on on the referee's part in the away game, which was a nil-nil to protect Antonio, who lost his rag, actually, and got, got sent off, if you remember. But he was being basically treated like a rugby player. I mean, he was just being at manhandled, you know, all the... In fact, he gets a lot of that very happens physical every, every treatment, game. doesn't he? And, mm. and referees do, don't seem to... One of the interesting things, just very quickly to go back to it, uh, uh, in the Wolves game, was a kind of clear memory that Cody had. Because if, if you remember, in one of those games when, when, during lockdown, 
uh, Antonio destroyed Cody, absolutely destroyed him with his pace. And he, he was absolutely terrified. They were terrified of Antonio's pace. Apart from his finishing, he absolutely ran the walls defence ragged um, uh, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, I hope, I hope he, he, he gets a goal soon because I think it's beginning to prey on his mind, to be honest. I fancy him to score tomorrow, Antonio. I think he's, going to I think he's been playing very well. I think he's been getting unfairly yeah. criticised recently. Yeah, I agree. I, to be honest, I don't know if he'll play him tomorrow because... There's such might a heavy not. workload coming up. But then you have to play Bowen up front, won't he? I mean, there's no one out. That's the problem. He's not going to yeah. play. He's not going to play Perkins up front, is he? In an FA Cup fifth round, I wouldn't have thought. So, you no, know, no, I think it will be else. Bowen. I think it'd be Bowen and probably Vlasic and then Vlasic and ben come in, and then Ben Rama, Blanzini. Yeah, I think you might be right. I feel for uh, Antonio because I feel like he's in his own head a little bit at the moment, and I think he's spiralling because he he's making sloppy choices that he wouldn't have, he wouldn't normally make. You know, there's a few, few opportunities had to, to pass the ball to someone who's through on goal and he's not done it. He's blasted over. He's clearly frustrated with himself. I, I don't know what the solution is. I think maybe it is. He just needs a goal to settle him down, but I, I feel. Well, the, I, I think the assist will help. I mean, there was, it was a neat little pass across uh, a nice way for, for Suchet to tuck in. Um, that was very much back to the kind of goal we were scoring, you know, in, a, in, in our pomp, you know, when Lingard was, was here, wasn't it? That's that kind of goal, nice interplay passing and, and, and uh, weaving it in. Um, I think it's not just, I mean, yeah, he has definitely, I think it's something, but he, want, he desperately wants that goal, but, but maybe, you know, assists are important as well. So, I mean, there was actually one, Jim, there was one moment where he was actually through and should have shot himself and try to find Bowen, and it was that, that was the wrong option. It's just like picking the wrong option a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, he's not got the greatest football brain, has he, Antonio, to be fair. But but I, I, I agree, Jim. I, I think he has played well, and I thought he was very good on Saturday. Is he a bit like Carlton Cole in that thing of, like, you give yeah. him enough time and he'll completely fuck it up? But if he was yeah. in the moment, he had to make a snap I, decision. I, I think he is a lot like that, yeah. I think he. Uh, I, I thought he had a very poor game against Newcastle. I mean, I feel that. I feel that you know, just a general improvement in the team as a whole will sort of drag everyone up. It sounds like the performance, as I say, wasn't there, but the performance at the weekend was, um, um, you know, back to Suchek doing what he does, back to a, you know a goal being scored, the way we were scoring them in the um, you know the staying up season and then last season. Um, and perhaps that will help Antonio because I, I thought he, I thought he had a very poor game against Newcastle. I thought his decision making just went back to sort of circa 2017, you know, um, just some yeah. blasting I mean, it over Rosette and just, you know, running until he just ran it into, um, you know, the dead ball line. Um, he wasn't alone though, was he? Against- no, no, that's right. In his defence, I I think you have to remember as well, when you're playing one up front, you know, that player has to do an awful lot of stuff. You know, I mean, they have to run channels, they have to pull defences apart. Often you're you're 1v4, 3v, you know, 1v3. There's a lot of responsibility on that individual to create space for others to explore. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in in his defence, I do think a big part of the problem in in recent Mm -hmm. months, actually, has just been a significant drop-off in creation. You know, he's. Yeah. If you look at his, it, the chances, that the, the quality of the chances that Antonio's had in recent months has been a huge drop off, um, mm-hmm. and some of that's a little bit to do with the fact actually that those chances are going to Bowen because the way that we play is Antonio comes out of the centre and then Bowen arrives and that sort of rotation yeah. movement has worked really, really well. Obviously, Bowen's been been scoring goals yeah. and, and yeah. been very effective. But, um, but I think one, a lack of creativity elsewhere is hurting him. Yeah, I agree. And um, one thing you would say about looking at him on on set, you wouldn't you wouldn't say he looks knackered or leggy. I mean, and I, I think no. and again, you you kind of touched on it earlier, James. That 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 tactical switch and allowing them to have the ball and pulling them onto us a little bit gives him space to run in behind. He's he's at his best when he when he can really stretch out, you know, and, 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 and run at, run at teams with the ball or, or run into space, get onto the ball. If, if, if teams are denying our space in that final third and, and sitting a little bit deeper, it's harder for his, his virtues to come into play. So yeah. He's not really that kind of, but play. he's got decent feet, but he's not really that kind of player to play tight, you know, back to goal sort of stuff really, is he? No, no. But no. We don't, we don't pick the lock really, do we? We're not that sort no. of team. We, 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 
we rely, I think, on a, on a different style of attack and getting the ball into dangerous areas, in, in particularly yeah. out wide, and 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 hitting teams on the break. Antonio's not really a centre forward for that, and he doesn't score that many tappings. You know, he's not like a, a guy. No. He's not like a six-yard predator, is he? Really, because often actually he's not in the six-yard box. He's doing something. <laughs> well, in a else. sense, in a sense, when he first played for us, I think he didn't. He score on his debut against Newcastle or something in twenty, you know, fifteen or sixteen. He he. When he was a winger, nominally, he would be a bit of a sort of Johnny on the spot uh, in the right place, in the same way that Suchek is now. But now that he's having to lead the line, uh, he's he's not really doing that, not really popping up. Um, he scored a lot of headers, didn't he? A lot of back post headers in his yeah. days. Yeah. Um, his first goal fill was that ridiculous one where he fell over and it bounced <laughs> yeah, off yeah. his head. I think yeah. against Southampton, in fact. Yeah, it was. It was, it was an accident. I think yeah. it was a sort of a tribute to, in fact, it was a, it was like a sort of pre-goal celebration in that he was, <laughs> he was sort of celebrating the career of Colton Cole. It was, it was while scoring a goal like Colton. It was almost like one of his trademark celebrations, <laughs> but taking the form of the scoring of a goal. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, I suppose we should do sort of actual predictions for Southampton and for Liverpool at the weekend. It is hard, isn't it? I mean, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the. I think. I think Jim, you're right. It could easily sort of go to penalties. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be optimistic and say we win it in ninety minutes, one nil. Okay, I'm, I'm saying penalties. I think it's going to be disappointing that we're going to go out on penalties. Right, right. James? Uh, I think we'll lose 1-0. It would be awful. Jim D. <laughs> God, someone's got to be optimistic. 2-0 uh, win. 2-0, 2 Yeah, this, I mean, this, this um, we, we sort of least return to form at the weekend. Uh, um, Obviously, we've got Sevilla coming up, which we will talk about, you know, in a more granular, granular way uh, as the game gets closer. But, um, you know, as as, uh, as you said earlier, James, it sort of like feels that battling on sort of three fronts might be a bit too much for su- such a tiny squad. And, yeah, going out of the cup, you know, uh, feels like um, something that sort of... Um, you know, it's sort of pre preordained uh, that we're going to sort of, you know, it would be good to make a good account of ourselves over two legs against uh, Seville. Um, but something's got to give. Um, so how about Liverpool at the weekend? Uh, I think as been said, you know, we, we, we have a habit of playing well against some of these better teams. Um, we were worthy winners against them at home. Um, things were a little bit different then in terms of um, relative form of the two clubs, but um, they're they're battling on a lot of fronts. So they've got they've got massive squad in depth, but they they they've got a they, they'll have to keep it fresh as well. Um, I'm I'm going for a kind of slightly surprising one all draw. I think we'll get something out of it. Yeah, James. Uh, well, you kind of stole my thunder, Phil, because I, I, uh, Jim, sorry, I was going to say that because I'm actually quite positive about the future, but obviously I've foolishly predicted we'll lose <laughs> to Southampton <laughs> and back myself into a corner and say we'll have to do so. I, I think we'll draw, I think we'll get a point, and I'll say two all because Jim's taken one all, but I, I think that Moyes has a game plan which has over the years been, well, certainly over the last couple of years with us, has been quite effective against Liverpool. So I could see us nicking a point up there to all. And Jim D, what do you reckon? I'm going to give you better than the scoreline. I'm going to say we are going to score two legitimate goals, one of which will be unfairly ruled off. They will score (laughs) one legitimate goal and have one given that shouldn't have been given. So what should be a 2-1 win to us will be a 2-1 win to them. That's a very good call. I was just about to say, a bit like... You know, Manchester United with a couple of decisions like, you know, the ball going into uh, out of play, but the referee and linesman failing to notice. Against Liverpool, there have been some strange kind of instances of sort of bad offside and Yeah, bad refereeing and 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 just strange goals scored against us. Once up there, 
there was that weird goal that I think was legal by the sort of laws of the game, but everybody in its entire build-up was offside. Uh, but the final ball was passed backwards by someone who had gone further forwards than the person it went to. So it went in the net. But essentially everyone was in an offside position, but sort of running past each other. And uh, it was an incredibly bewildering goal to watch. Uh, and then, yeah. yeah. And there were two goals in that game. Was, I can't remember the score. That was the 4-0. That was the 4-0, yeah. It was, yeah. Early, it was early in the season, wasn't it? It was early... Um, yeah. Well, there and was another... A, it was a dubious penalty. Um, it was yes. last year or the year before. Salah got a, just a joke. Oh, penalty. God. Against Max Duarte, yeah. Ben, yeah. Um, I can't remember which game it was up there where um, they had a goal allowed with a player in offside position right in front of Fabianski. Yeah, I mean, that was, which was, was I think was, Mane cluttered Fabianski. It was yeah. outrageous that that was given, and, yeah. and yeah. no media think about it. So it was an absolutely ridiculous decision, and it went yeah, to the well. It was crazy. So I feel and like it's destiny. Um, this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Jim, um, Jim Salah's Salah's dive for the Alexander Arnold free kick in the home game. This is that was an that was outrageous yeah. dive, and Jota's nasty little backward elbow smash into Ogbonna's face. Yes. Oh, that, yeah. In a red. Mm. You know, they, 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 yeah. I mean, the lot of shithousery goes on when you play Liverpool, Jim. I tell you. Liverpool. Um, yeah, yeah. In the name. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so Jim's, uh, Jim's not only a goal prediction, but a precise description of how it's going to happen. <laughs> that feels was very, very good. Feels very, very, very compelling. Accurate. Yeah. Feels very compelling to me. <laughs> I hope um, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh yes god that's uh that's several score lines uh that i was gonna say um well then i'm gonna go nil nil okay nil nil um yes well we probably better wrap this up uh this has been uh stop hammer time my name is phil Whelans. with me have been jim grant cheerio james cairns good night and Jim Dolan. Thanks, guys. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.